are listening to Prime Venture Partner podcast where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, new CXOs and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India. We're delighted to have with us Meeta Malhotra, founder of Hard Copy. Meeta's been in the startup and marketing ecosystem for a long time. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you Amit. Thanks for having me. Meeta, I'd love for our listeners to hear a little bit about your journey since you've done so many interesting things. Too many interesting things actually. So, I think my journey is just about leaping in when I see the intersect of an interesting person that I want to work with and an interesting area. So, I've uh, worked in Infosys, that was my first job. I have then been partner at a design and branding studio for 15 years. I have because I'm a closet geek, I've actually built a SaaS product. Exited that. and now i'm founder of the hard copy which is an online publication that is focused on chronicling the exciting stuff that's happening in design product innovation in the indian ecosystem wonderful this is going to be a very interesting conversation i hope we can keep it to the time that we intended to but maybe you can tell us a little bit about brand you i've often seen you talk about brand and building a brand whether it's your own personal brand or your professional brand or even the brand of your company maybe just a little bit of what have you seen with respect to startups when it comes to building you know these various brands right so i think first thing is that brand is just a hugely misunderstood word right when you think of say defining a brand positioning people think of charts and frameworks and polygons and all on the other extreme people think of slogans and say oh you know the nike brand is just do it and both those are actually completely wrong so i think uh, bezos summed it up beautifully he said your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room and i can't think of a more elegant and simple way to think about both your personal brand as a founder and your company brand so just ask yourself this when i'm not in the room what do people say about me and what do people say about my company and that's really the essence of your brand and that's your starting point for your brand narrative sounds great do you think people have awareness even before they decide to go invest into i want to build a brand or whatever of what their brand stands for i think people are often surprised because you know all of us are human beings and we view ourselves and our companies through this lens we're too close to it and i think that a really good way to start even with your brand right before you employ consultants or marketers or anybody is just ask your five customers or your 10 customers what do you think of this company listen to the words they use and i'm pretty sure that you will see a pattern emerging and that's really where your brand positioning is it's not what you're thinking similar sort of framework applies to your personal brand get 10 people who know you varying degrees of closeness and ask them to say five things that describe you again you'll see a pattern emerging and that is what people think of you that's your brand narrative currently and that seems like a very simple branded thing to it do is. and I'm, and yet i don't think very many people necessarily do it right no they're actually in my experience i think startups i mean a lot of people with startups particularly are frightened of this whole idea of brand building it seems like this large expensive resource intensive thing to do which is best pushed out till they have more money or a larger team or more resources 
and that's not the right way to think about it absolutely and and now with the absolute proliferation of social media right mm. whether it is twitter linkedin etc it's actually not that expensive to build a brand and i'm not talking tv campaigns and all that that you could defer for when you have a lot more money right but just what is it that you stand for exactly i mean so there are two steps to that right and while it sounds we can sit and say that it's why don't you start a twitter account and i'm speaking from personal experience so when i tell founders why don't you tweet or why don't you blog or things that maybe seem very easy to us are perhaps not that simple for a founder to start with right and i've uh, observed this over the last few years and a founders juggling with a lot of stuff and to ask him to tweet ask him to blog if it doesn't come naturally to him is a hard thing to do but i still think that you need to sit down you need to uh, focus on this and think about how you're going to get your brand narrative out because if you don't and here's the important thing if you don't shape the narrative somebody is doing it so whether you are tweeting or not somebody is tweeting about you absolutely so going back to you know the kind of reticence of founders to do this one mm-hmm. of course is time mm-hmm. second maybe you're saying sort of personal interest yeah. or lack thereof are there some other reasons why people don't go out there and do that maybe people are vulnerable maybe there's something else right and are there tips and tricks to sort of overcome that there are two things right i think you have a set of founders who don't think this is important enough because they are so occupied with building the business and you know all respect to them but i just want to say that it will get harder if you don't control it now if you think that you can put off building your brand and take it up after your whatever next fundraise or your next team hire you're making it harder for yourself you need to start today how much effort you put into it can you know you can calibrate that depending on at what stage you are but you need to start today that's number 1 number 2 i think i've met a lot of founders who are actually sold on the idea they understand the importance of brand building but i think they are afraid of being judged and that's very natural i mean as a founder you are being judged and called out every day on a hundred things do you really want to add one more to the pile so what i would say in answer to your question about what can they do about it i would say that anything you put out right anything you say about your brand or the ecosystem to which your brand belongs if it's adding value for even one person if one person reads what you have said and takes away something from it and it can be something to do with the industry that you're in it can be something a learning he or she has had from what you've written then you have done immense service to the ecosystem right and i think that you have to stop worrying about the stuff that's not important which is the polish or the articulation or the grammar or the nobody cares about that stuff if you're adding value you're saying something that's important then people will want to read it absolutely one of the things we tell our founders is don't just think about your company or your professional brand think about the industry that you're in think about the issues of that industry think about the customers of that industry and talk about that right because people want to hear a genuine authentic point of view from somebody who's on in the field Completely. dealing with that rather than you know no no disrespect to journalists or whatever because you are living that every day right so that is so much more valuable than any sort of second or third party kind of narrative uh, absolutely i mean and you know india is still a very uh, we're still maturing the startup ecosystem is still maturing here i mean we've come a long way 
But one of the reasons I started the hard copy was because there's just not enough of what you're talking about. There are not enough first-hand narratives about how you took brands or, you know, uh, from zero to one, what you did with the design, what you did with the product. And people don't want to hear it from a third party. They want to hear it from the company or the founder. And there isn't enough of that happening. If you're a founder, I would say to you, think back to when you were starting the company. Were you not on the internet looking for, you know, the smallest uh, sort of nugget you could find, something you that would help you, something that would that you could glean some insight from? Well, there are a thousand people out there just like that. And some of them are your customers. Many of them are your customers. Absolutely. On the practical side, yeah. uh, both on the... You know, this, you know, you had two points, right? One is that they don't perceive it to be important. Right. And, you know, any kind of tips in terms of tools or where to get started? Let's say you are one who believes it's important, right. but just want to start. So one is you said, hey, don't give a damn, right? Just start, be yeah. authentic, add value. Yeah. Are there like tips, tricks, maybe some tools or some safe right. spaces to start in? How do you start out? Well, I think so, you know, if we're really talking about the process of brand building, right? And so before you... The founders usually have complete clarity on this. There is sometimes a delta between what's in the founder's head and how they're able to articulate it to the outside world. So I would say spend a little bit of time on that with your team. Sit down, you know, with some coffee or beer or whatever, and actually think about distilling what your brand stands for, right? And that is an important exercise. And honestly, at an early stage, you don't need a consultant to come in and help you. Right. I mean, if sure. you have somebody to bounce ideas off, great, but otherwise you can do it yourself. And I say, think of three things, right? Think of what you stand for as a founder. Think of what your company, you know, what the space that you are building and what it means to your customer. And then think about the competitive landscape. If you can triangulate these three, you can arrive at a proposition for your brand. Once you've done that, you can go out and talk about it. And a lot of this is very, uh, you know, it comes, it's second nature to founders. I've, all the founders that I've worked with, I always tell them, you already know what your brand stands for. I'm just going to help you maybe clear away the clouds. Sure. So very interesting. You said you, your company and the competitive landscape. Yes. But you, specifically, you didn't say customers so or prospects. What do they care about? So let's say I was a vernacular language startup and my customers were customers in tier two, tier three cities, first time on the internet, ta -da -da -da. Right. wouldn't I want to know what is their worldview? And, and that is an aspirational thing. That obviously is not what my brand stands for, Correct. but I'm saying these are the people I'm serving. Right. So what do, what would they care for? And am I able to give that or not? Right. Correct. Yeah. So the, I think that when I talked about the company, that's what I meant. Okay. I mean, your company. Yeah. So I'm yeah. saying that when it's about you, what you want to accomplish, because as a founder at this stage, and you know, as that grow, uh, as you grow, that recedes. Because then it's not about you alone, it's about the company. But when you're talking about, the, when I'm talking about the company, it is really about the company and what you set it up to serve or who you set it up to serve. So your customers Correct. become a very big part of that. Right. So often we find people get very confused with trying to pitch and brand and talk about features and products and widgets and yeah. I do this and that and for this market and that thing. It's not really re relevant, right? It's who are you serving? What is the benefit? Why should they care? What is their worldview? Often that yeah. is sort of left and, and out. And what is, what is uh, your part in their world? So I think that that again is a weak link for me in my experience, right? 
So you, I, I've seen startups that will do this exercise. So they say, okay, this is what the founder's vision is. This is what we set this company up. These are the people we set this company up to serve. And here's the competitive landscape. But when you're talking about the people you set up to serve, you're assuming that they're interested in you. That's sometimes a very, very false assumption. That's correct. So what is your part in their world? And why should they care and pick you over the other 10 options that they have is something you need to think about. Absolutely. Very interesting. How do you know that, let's say you you buy into all this and you mm. start focusing, you start adding value to the ecosystem, building mm. a little bit of the brand. How do you know it's working? How do you know you're making progress? So, you know, I listen to this podcast and I'm excited. I'm going to start working on this six months later. Right. I want to do a dipstick and see, hmm, did I make progress? How would I know? So I think there's, again, two aspects to this, right? There's a sort of a qualitative aspect and I think that you will sense that. You will sense a little more engagement. You will sense people talking about it. You'll, I think you will sense that, uh, particularly if you're out there on social media or blogging or going to events. No, it doesn't only have to be social media. So this is something I want to, again, emphasize. You don't have to have a massive Twitter following to, as evidence that you are talking about your brand. You know, I, I see people agonizing about it and you can have zero, you don't even need to be on Twitter, Frank, but you need to be somewhere and that could be an event. It could be a physical event and that's, that's fine, right? Uh, but I think that when you are speaking about your brand, you need to sort of stay focused on this whole, whether it's, you know, in an event or whether it's on Twitter, you need to stay focused on this single message. And that's really the important thing. Got it. So you, you'll start getting some inbound, some qualitative, some you'll feedback. You'll start getting, and I think that the quantitative measure for me is organic, right? I mean, that's key. And I've seen it happen in every case. If you see organic, whatever rising, whether it's traffic, whether it's inquiries, whether it's anything, you will know that you are creating a tiny little ripple and that's only going to be magnified. Sure. So we, you know, we used to have a, uh, when I was running the studio and a lot of people ask me this what are the metrics you set up for successful exit, right? I'm talking about studio acquisitions. And to me, a metric that I had set up to monitor was inbound inquiries. And I said, it doesn't, you know, yeah, there's revenue, profit, blah, 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 blah. But if we don't get so many calls a week, that means we're not brand building. Why are people not seeking us out? And I think that is something that I would advocate. Absolutely. Now, getting a little bit to a later stage company, mm -hmm. and now you have, let's say, done a lot of fundraising, oh. or you've got a lot of customer traction, maybe some product market fit, and you genuinely want to go invest with bigger bucks behind this, or right. maybe even hire a... TV ad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, even well before the TV ad, but perhaps TV ad, hire a CMO, hire whoever. What's in the next phase, how should one think about it, right? You're past the early stages, you've got right. some early product market fit. Right. Now you really want to build a, a brand, right, that is going to have brand recall, you know, brand perception, like what is the path? I can still talking, think like series B startup, not quite you um, know, yeah. sponsoring an IPL team yet. Correct, <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah. So I would say, you know, again, and because I really believe in this whole frugal marketing thing, right? I think that too many dollars have been wasted on silly vanity metrics. So I would say it doesn't matter where you are. The first step is to know whether without spending a dollar, have you really maximized your branding and marketing? I mean, has your product done everything that it could? So really start there because let's say that if you've raised a series B, I'm assuming that what happens with that is that your, your product team becomes, you know, you more mature, 
and i would say it's your marketing should start there is your product fully equipped to convert to bring in people are you doing everything you can if you didn't have to spend any money once you've sorted that piece out then do go to the next step of maybe having a marketing budget but everywhere and this is a very contentious thing people talk about the roi of marketing and you know marketers push back and say there is no roi on marketing but i would say when you start start with some really clear objectives so if you say that listen we just want to raise brand awareness that's one right we're not converting this to sales we're not we're not linking the two we're saying that in the first phase just more people should know about us even then create some kind of dashboard because you can't just start with saying that okay we'll you know we'll spend this money and we'll see what happens so even then start with a dashboard a hypothesis of where brand awareness is today then go out and try a few things and you know what those things are are very specific to you your industry where your customers are very helpful so switching gears one of my other pet peeves in some sense lot of b2b startups hmm. right whether they you yourself used to run a saas company yeah. saas companies enterprise companies you know whatever say we absolutely don't need marketing that's for the b2c people right right and it sort of drives me a little bit mad what are your thoughts with respect to b2b in particular so you know i again this is like you said amit this is a question i've got asked a lot as well right why do we need marketing in b2b and this is what i say so i say so when you your sales people go to sell are they selling to like some alien or a robot or a <laughs> so the person that you know they're not selling to a human being in which case maybe you don't need marketing then you don't need marketing yeah then we need ai bots for marketing Perfect. that's different if you are if you are the day you need to your address your sales pitch to an ai bot sack your marketer right but until you are selling to a human being again it's the same thing it's not rocket science he has some perception of your company and your brand and and your industry and your, and industry, your, you know, and your, and your customers yeah, yeah competitors absolutely. right completely and if you're not shaping that through marketing then forget it i mean you know right right sounds great uh maybe a little bit about since you spent a lot lot many years in design right. switching you know gears yeah, again yeah. what are some of those influences that have led on to you know latter career as a marketer as helping other folks and and now running hard copy right what are some of the things you sort of learned and remember from the design days yeah. that are still so relevant in sure. in this new world so so you know i'm not a designer i'm yeah. what they would call a suit in the marketing uh, in the design world sort of you know we were scoffed at uh, until they realized how much you know the fact that uh, we were the ones bringing in the money so uh, but my uh, business partner who was also my mentor and uh, at the studio and i once asked i said you know i'm surrounded by designers and what do i need to do like is there a course i can do because i was also very check the box kind of person and uh, shall i go enroll at an online course should i and she said you know there's only one thing you need to do and i, I this is advice that i've carried through my life and would give to anyone who asks me which is train your eye there is no book or course you know uh short term that can teach you what is good design and what is bad design you have to so i would say educate yourself and when i say educate yourself it's not by looking at apps it is by going to art shows it is by studying the work of the greatest designers in the world it is by you know going out whenever there is something to see to theater that is the only, when you educate yourself about the world you will slowly begin to understand 
what works and what doesn't work in the design world. Very fascinating. Often think that about product management which is an area I've spent many, many years on. And right. we are always saying, always keep questioning, how can this be better? Exactly. Uh, and as soon as you get into that mindset, it doesn't matter whether you're doing B2B or B2C or designing chairs or absolutely. You know, running an art gallery. You no. keep asking, how can this be better? Absolutely. And you know, people get stuck with things like form factor. Yeah. And I mean, none of that matters, really. If you, you know, you have an innate sense of what is good and what is... And, and again, you, it's interesting you ask this question. I'd love to add this here because we're, we're at a... Very interesting inflection point in the Indian design world, right? So the world that I came from in the 2000s, we were driven by a very Western influence on design. So the Dieterams and the Bahausian sort of schools of thought where everything should be very clean and uncluttered and that's good design. And everything that was cluttered and loud and noisy was bad design. And now we have come full circle we're st- at least in the digital world, we're now standing at a point where we're seeing that those principles don't necessarily apply because the next billion that are coming online, you know, their design paradigm is completely different. It's vertical for one to start with. What do you mean by that? What is I mean, vertical? The, in the sense that mobile phone is their first entry point. We grew up with rectangular screens. Like I'm talking about such a basic design principle, right? And we therefore think in windows, and we like to clean up windows and have white space on either side and all of that. It, that's being tossed out of the window as we speak. So again, you know, the same advice, which was go out, educate yourself, educate yourself, train your eye, applies just as much to this world. If you're designing for people whose first point of entry is the mobile phone, go out, educate yourself about them and their world. It's very interesting. We're recording this on a podcast. And now I think more than 50% of searches on Google are now voice searches. Absolutely. So maybe the next generation, right, that is born on the internet now or in the last 10 years, yeah. there's going to be so much more on voice. Absolutely. And uh, whether it's bots or human beings or, or hybrid thereof. Correct. So you have to design for the voice world, right? You're going to ask Alexa this and Google that. Completely. Uh, and not even going to type. So you're not even listening back to a text format response, even Correct. if it's on a phone. You're hearing the response. So that better makes sense to you. Exactly. I mean, it's voice now. Who knows what it's, you know, your human body is interface next. So it's it's very hard to predict. But I think if your fundamentals of design are in place and solid, then you're not going to be thrown off guard by changes in form factor. Then it's a question of somebody I, uh, you know, I interviewed for the hard copy, put it really well. He said that after World War II, There were plastics. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to know how to make plastics, but you definitely need to know how to work with them. Absolutely. I think Gary Kasparov has this beautiful uh, TED talk where he talks about, don't be afraid of AI. Exactly. Learn to work with AI. Completely. He's saying you had this paranoia against AI. And this is, I mean, this is a talk like 10 years ago. Absolutely. And so he's pretty uh, prescient, obviously, for his, uh, even in his later years, right? Yeah, I mean, he was the guy who came up with the idea of centaurs, right? Augmented human beings. And we just ran a story on what are centaur designers? What could be centaur designers? And it would be really interesting because... You know, while the popular narrative is about, oh, uh, somebody will come and they'll be able to design and you'll be out of a job. I I think that's just never going to happen. I think it's much more that the mundane uh, will get taken over by AI. And therefore, you know, that augmented designer will be far more powerful than we are today. We hope. 
So I love this train your eye and your ear. Uh, I think that yeah. is definitely one of my top takeaways from this podcast. So wonderful Meeta. It was so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, love for you to share some books. Maybe we'll include that in the, you know, podcast notes. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. listeners thank you so much for listening to this episode of prime venture partners podcast don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these you can share your feedback at our twitter handle at the rate prime vp underscore in or leave your review on apple podcast or wherever you listen to the show from 